0: welcome to the rpg design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars about game design and publishing these panels have been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers at metatopia 2023 Episode 360, How to Run a Great Playtest Hosted by Melissa, Lewis Gentry, and Kurt Covert.
1: recording, so is it unbelievably weird and loud? Oh, okay, good. okay. Um, Kurt, why don't you
0: start us off? Hey there, everybody, so uh, I'm Kurt Covert. I'm the owner of Smirk and Dagger Games, and we are here to talk about running a great playtest here and getting the most out of Metatopia. Um, and um, I, I've been doing this uh, event for 11 years since it started. Um, I've done a lot of playtests here. Uh, of course, I'll tests, just in general in my 20 years of making board games. Um, so I've got lots to say. Um, I'm really gonna focus more on the board game side. And Melissa.
1: Yeah, hi, I'm Melissa, or MLG. Um, uh, uh, I started doing playtesting with WOTC on the fifth edition. And kind of went from there for a while. I ran a game store and we did a lot of development playtesting in the store where I would facilitate different designers who do a lot of playtesting. Um, uh, after, during the pandemic, I was like, real life spaces? No. Uh, let me be on the computer. And so I'm a video game designer now and I run playtests uh, three to four times a week. Um, and I have for like about the last two years. So
0: that's a lot of playtests. It's a lot, of Yes. Yeah. So we're probably going to talk about a lot of stuff that is very intuitive and very general. Um, You probably know most of it. And yet, sometimes it's really good to hear that reinforced. Um, So um, first, I just kind of want to get a sense, too. um, How many people in here have uh, board games that Board games, card games—you know that they are working on. Okay, and how many are more focused on RPGs? All right, and anything not covered by those two.
1: Damn, I something for something
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So uh, I think a lot of the 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 things that we're going to talk about apply to both, but there are some some, you know, some nuances uh, that uh, that go, but. Um, I always like to start with, um, I think, kind of the the broadest thing, which is um, I hope you guys are all here to have your toys broken. Um, I think when this event started a lot of people kind of showed up and um, they were like, oh, my thing is perfect. I just wanted to show it to people and they just wanted to get validation. that's not really what this show is about uh board game design and rpg design it's an iterative process and it only gets better the more you break it and then find the ways to fill the gaps and connect the things that were not working as well as they could have so anytime someone actually says "Hmm, i think there's an opportunity to like do something with this mechanic like that is great feedback
1: you know, confusion points,
0: all these things that, you know, can can lead to problems if the product is released with them. If you can solve 90% of those problems before it releases, that's what the show is about. And of course, community and just having a good time and connecting with people is all really valuable as well.
1: Yeah, I think about it this way. Um, raise your hand if you've ever gone to the website Reddit. Yeah. Has anyone read any, like, of the sub-forum subreddits about games? Think about the people who write on those subreddits. (laughs) And think about them looking on your game. Do you want people in real life to maybe give you a heads-up on what those redditors are going to say first? (laughs) Right? This is a chance to, like, not get reddited, right? Like, have have nice people talk about your game uh, with you, like, point out, Ah, this one sentence flaw here uh uh is, makes your game totally broken and you are useless because of this one word word error. Right? You don't want no one wants that. We want, hey. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: by the way, your games will sneak out there with problems. Um yeah. it I mean I as as much as I've done this, there's just They're such complex systems, you will always find something. Even after you're done and you print it, you're like, oh, damn it. Yep. So um, yeah, you catch as many of them as you can. And uh, shows like this are absolutely perfect. Because you're talking to um, not, when you're showing the games here, uh, I think one of the differences uh, with this show is that you want to test your games with the right audience. And um, what this show does well is it brings you designers who are not your typical audience. They're like supercharged. And you're all kind of like working together in the same kind of space. Uh, You also have people who have come just to try new things and be part of the process. So they're the actual consumers. That's great. You want that feedback as well. And likely you'll get a mixed bag. And, of course, you may even have uh, people who are professionals in the industry, which is level up from there. So that's it's, all of this is really great a great crucible uh, for you to understand different things about your games. But I would, by the way, um, when you sit down uh, to play a game, I think there are a couple things just like helping to ground your players in what you want out of it, and also understand where they're coming from can help Um, color, uh, and provide nuance to some of the feedback you may get. So, first of all, let people know where your game design is currently sitting. You know, is this a game where I feel like I've taken this as far as I can, or you know what, this is a very early, early stage here. You know, set the table so that they understand where the game is along its process in your head, and then also let them know what you're really hoping to get out of the playtest if you have any specific things. Um, Or quite honestly, if you're just, if you just wanna see where things break, that's fine too. Uh, But just say, you know, hey, this is just kind of a a, a general shakedown and I think we're like 90% here, but let us know. It's also good to get a sense of who the player is. Um, so let them know that the core mechanics and that kind of thing hey, it's a cooperative, it's about deck building uh, it's a trick taker, whatever it is, and, and then understand, oh, you know what, I'm not usually a trick taking kind of player um, I simply don't like those games but I'm happy to like, you know to put that aside for now and, and objectively, but know that when they provide that feedback there's a bias there so understanding some of those biases will help uh, help you process the feedback.
1: Yeah, um, one of the other things in when you're like setting the scene is, um, players vary, um, but invariably, invariably it's best to butter them up a little bit, right? Um, some designers may have egos. I don't know if you've ever experienced no, no, no designers no, or anything like that. But let's say that you are playtesting something and you are really focusing on a specific thing. Maybe it is an RPG. It is a particular mechanic. Um, maybe it's a game, You're like, okay, is this is the worker replacement part of this working? Um, pointing out specifically the areas that you're looking for and saying. It would be really great if i had your opinion on that um means that they're less likely to go wander off and talk about things that you don't really need the feedback on in that moment i say less likely not like you're still going to get you're still going to get that people are going to want to talk about what is like their interest um but uh if you like very specifically call out what you want feedback on and that you want that feedback from them for a reason, you're likely to get that feedback. Uh,
0: Some other things that, um, I think one of the hardest things to do is at the end of a play test, you typically want to jump in and guide the conversation. And I'm gonna recommend that you do the hardest thing of all which is to sit in silence afterwards. Um, because what you're really looking for, obviously, you're going to be taking notes, you know, if there are confusion points along the way, if there are things that happen during gameplay, you're, you know, you're taking notes on not all those things yourself. Um, but what you really care about is when someone has a spontaneous reaction to your game. That is the most important feedback you will get on your game design. Now, sometimes that will be a frustration point. Sometimes that's gonna be, dude, when is this coming out? Oh my God, like, and honestly, that is my barometer for whether a game is actually getting close to done. Weather actually has the ability to break through this very crowded marketplace. There are 5,000 games coming out per year. It is no longer enough to have a good game. There are lots of good games, and your game has to break through all of them to get noticed and sell units. So you really, as a barometer, wait until your design is getting a reaction that says they want to own it and then it is ready to pitch a company. Then it's ready for you to kickstart. Um, Kickstarter, while it's a wonderful way, it's, it's lowered the barrier to entry in the, in the hobby completely. However, the other thing is when I started 20 years ago, there was no Kickstarter. I had to put my house on second mortgage to print my first game. And therefore, you better believe, I thought the game would sell, and I took it as far as I could to ensure that it had that kind of traction. You should treat your game, even though it's going to crowdfunding, as though your house was on, uh, you know, at the risk. You want it to be as good, as marketable, as ready as you possibly can before you do anything with it.
1: And for those of us that are millennials and never would even <laughs> think of owning a house, <laughs> imagine your student debt is going to triple. Right? Translation. Translation. Yeah. Do um, we want to get more into some details of stuff between like cartoons or games That's perfect. Can. Yeah. Or, or actually, audience. We have many things we could talk about. Is there any anyone uh, we'll have any questions a little early. Anyone have any questions or areas that they're looking for advice or
0: feedback? Yeah. Uh, can you give some advice on guiding conversation? Once, once the play test is over, guiding it, what are some, some useful directions to, to guide the conversation in? how to, to handle the personal side of, of guiding the conversation?
1: There are times when just sitting in silence is, is, you can do that for so long, but then- But then you have to go. Yeah. Um, And uh, giving them your feedback form at that point is a really great start. Um, And uh, well, there are general uh, uh, playtest feedback forms here. I highly recommend customizing yours to have specific key information about your game. So, you can start the conversation pointing to a thing on a piece of paper, right? And being like, here are the feedback forms. Oh, I just want to remind you to look at this one. Um, uh, And if you all are still talking about it, that's great. Um, uh, Please give me any feedback verbally as well, right? Because you want it captured down. And it's much better to have people capture their own thoughts down. They're going to write it differently than you're going to write it. but also um, by giving them something physical to like touch and hold in their hands, uh, it usually uh, directs people from being scattered. Right, uh, material components. Um, giving them something to not only like, if they're hearing words from you and looking at the words from you, they're going to focus on that better as well. Um, so, like that's some some common psychology tools of getting people to focus on different things. And this is
0: why it's also nice. Because I'm going to send. Okay, please. please. Um, I think uh, feedback forms are, um, they create some problems as well. And just understand that anytime you put a form in front of a human, a human will want to complete the form. And do a good job in filling out every single thing that you have asked for, whether or not they actually have feedback on those areas. So, if, for example, you say, "Tell me what you like best," tell me, you know, where you know any problems were. Like, if they didn't have any problems, they will come up with one to put on them. So, uh, feedback forms. I, I think I did it maybe my first year. And then I dispensed with them completely because what I found was when I went through and I processed all the forms, I felt like, first of all, there's information overload for me as a designer. And because there was a lot of specificity, because people were like, you know, oh, I'm going to fill out each of these things. It was not always the important stuff. What you're really wanting is you are, you're, you're going to be the final arbiter of what input actually is valuable for you as a designer. Not all input is equal. Um, some, uh, some input that you get is great for another game, but not for the design that you intended. So you will filter those things that are appropriate and say, oh, That actually is a good catch. Oh, that's a really inspired idea. Oh, that's uh, a solid idea for a different game, but not the one I'm making. So as you are doing your test, if you are having a conversation, over the course of several tests, you are going to find that some things keep popping up. Those are the important things. When, when you've got um, you know, a problem that pops up all the time, or you've got something that every time you, you're introducing the game, you're like, people are like, their eyes light up. You're like, oh, and there, that's a marketing point. Great. So the feedback forms are OK. And I think it's natural to start with them. But I also feel like they're a little bit of a crutch, and sometimes will get in the way of your process. You will actually if you let all the stuff flow, you will remember what important things popped up at each of those tests. And sometimes it's better if you have someone with you who can take the notes for you. So you can focus on, on the, the the back and forth. But if you can't then 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 try to at least capture, you know, shorthand the notes. And yeah, you can always have the forms, but
1: yeah. Yeah, the other way is um, asking for your players' consent to audio record the whole thing. Oh yeah, um, So if you're someone that might have memory issues, like me, um, <laughs> having a recording to go back and listen to things, so I don't have to take notes in the moment. I can be present, but I have a way of looking at what happened. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you're bringing up um, was about the kind of feedback you get um, and so it's making me think about the fact that there's two kinds of data that you get from feedback qualitative and quantitative, right? Um, Metatopia is not a great forum for quantitative data, right? I think quantitative data is really important. I like charts. I like, I like using Google Forms that spit out my numbers into a spreadsheet for me with charts. I'm really into that. This is not the playtest place for that. Here, you're getting individual attention, right, of people who are very skilled, or or not so skilled, but there's a lot of people who are very skilled, and you are going to want their opinions, and for them to either talk or write, depending uh, on the situation. This is not the place to do, on a scale of one to five, how effective was this mechanic, right? Because you're only gonna get or five opinions, and that's not enough data to make any sort of statistical analysis. Um, i may Maybe be a data nerd, which is important. Data nerd. <laughs> um, so um, recognizing, that and recognizing that and focusing, okay, what you want to know, like, especially coming from RPGs, you cannot play test an entire RPG in a two hour slot, right? your games probably are going to go longer, right? Um, RPGs are about more than just one session. Like you have so many different things that you have to look at, whether you're looking at character creation, whether you're looking at um, your conflict resolution, right? Like there's a lot of different things that can happen depending on your game. Um, And so especially at a reform uh, like Metatopia, you have to focus on the part of one part of your game um and yes you cannot get a cohesive opinion about a cohesive whole without the game but like this is what we're working with right and so like it come to a playtest if you have an RPG you do not want to do character creation and trying to run a scene you're not going to have enough time and it, you're, oh yeah yeah um you're not going to have enough time it's uh, uh, going to uh, if you're trying to bake the players do too many things, then they can't pause and ask questions, right? Or you're, you're going to be at the end, all of a sudden realize you ran out of time and you didn't give them that 20 minutes to a half hour that they want to take to talk about it. Um, there are, I'm sure there are plenty of board games too that run long you're not going to be able to play your four hour game in two hours, right? Can't that was going to be my question. So I've been playing testing for a while and it's an
2: engine building game that I have. And the first couple of rounds is any engine builder, they're dumb. So like I've often thought, do I just jump start this in like the third or five rounds to get to the end point so people can see the game? Is that a strategy and trying to get feedback on if they like a game?
0: Because nobody likes the first two rounds of an engine building. Right. So uh, it depends on the design, whether you can jumpstart someone or whether you actually need that build up to really appreciate where you got it, it's it depends what you're testing for and some games will need the benefit of running the entire game and some if you can if you can jumpstart it to a point where people you know already understand intuitively the game that they can kind of just pick up in the middle then that's a the strategy. So, uh, and then I, I do want to get back to your question uh, because I think we we jumped the, the over top of it. Um, when you are prompting the conversation after uh, the play test, when you finally like want to fill that space, um, as open-ended as you can make your questions is going to be more valuable. If you ask yes/no questions, you won't get any information. So um, it's much better to say things like, "So what are your impressions?" Um, you can uh, say, "Well, let's see." Um, Uh, What do you think about the play experience? Um, How do you feel like the mechanics and the thematic are meshing together? Um, Anything that creates a conversation point that gets to how did I feel when I was playing this? What did I like? And if you actually say, well what did you like about it? It's It's a little bit more leading. Now sometimes that's okay. Um, but I love it when you can be much more open, because then they will fill it with the things that actually popped up as important to them, and that's really the valuable part. Um, now, one of the things I do also like to um, to ask at the at the very end of a session is uh, if if I haven't heard it spontaneously already, and I again, I am waiting for someone to say, I really want this game, when is it coming out? Um, if I don't get that, then I'll say, okay, so now, uh, given the, the game you just played, um, what what do you think? Is this a game like if someone had it and uh, you know they said, hey, you wanna play this game? You're like, oh yeah. I, 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 I'd absolutely play that game. Or is this a game you want to own, because you want it in your collection, or there's someone you want to play it with when you get home? Um, That is a very structured and guided way to get to the game. It's a little bit less valuable, because it wasn't spontaneous. But it will still give you a sense. And it it might even say, well, I like the game, but unfortunately I would not buy it because I don't have like friends who I could get it to the table with. It's great for me, but I can't. You get an understanding of the nuance of what impressions they may actually have. That can be valuable because at least it puts in your head, oh, for them, it's a sell. It's just they don't have the, the players to enjoy it with them. That's not a not knock on the game necessarily. But it's it, it gives you some some color.
1: There are also some playtesters that are going to be polite, right? You don't want your playtest you don't want your playtesters to be rude, but you don't you want them to give you negative feedback. And there are some playtesters you will you'll you'll be able to clock them as they're not saying anything negative, as their face says that they are happy, right? So if that player says, "Oh, I just don't have any players that could play that game," though, like if they're saying it like that and not don't seem genuine, that's a sign that they're, they're not too game. Um, uh, th- and that's just learning how to read people. If you're not sure how to read people really well, take everything at face value, right? Uh, that's the safest bet. Um, but after you've been doing this for a long, long time uh you'll be able to like pick up on when people say one thing they're actually kind of saying something else about your game yep. uh, but that takes a long a lot of play tests to actually be able to pick that up so
0: yeah um, also you're going to want to look and make notes about any confusion points uh, during play uh, if, if you are getting people from play to play asking the same question you realize that what you have is maybe not even a, a mechanical problem with your game. It may be that your game needs a player aid. You know, there are, there are a lot of solutions that just come from being giving people access to the information as they play so that it goes smoothly. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes it's just a rough mechanic that is not intuitive, and you need to take a look at the mechanic. Um, but again what you' it's it's not so much if one person trips on it it's when you see consistency um with a problem that you're like oh this really is a problem uh, you can always look at everything that you know for each each thing that comes up but think more broad terms think many tests and the kind of reactions you're getting
1: yeah, especially in, I'm thinking about the play raids and, and that sort of thing uh, for confusion points. For RPGs, most people do not show up at Metatopia with a well-laid-out character sheet,
0: mm. right? Or other game cards right. and everything,
1: yeah. Yeah, like, and so sometimes your user experience of the materials you have are going to be detrimental to your mechanics. Um, and being able to separate separate out that feedback of, ah, this is a confusion point over the user experience of, of, of the materials they have. But once they actually got the materials, the mechanic itself was sound. right? Being able to separate out like, ah, what is UX design? What is uh, systems design, right? You're be able to better focus on your areas, your problem areas.
0: And they will look like the same problem. So it's something to be aware of and to investigate to determine whether it really is a mechanical problem or it's just a UX. So um, yeah, one of the things that, um, for those of you who are actually going to be taking your games and pitching to publishers or you're planning on self-publishing, when you are play testing, you are actually developing the marketing for the game, whether you know it or not, this is one of the most important things um, to take away from this experience that no one is thinking about. Because as you uh, as you start, you know, showing your game to you know group after group after group, you are eventually going to get into a rhythm. You are going to almost create a script for how you present that game. Um, it's just natural. That's what we do as humans. You know, you start doing something enough, and it becomes becomes a little bit more rude. But you're going to adjust it because all of a sudden you'll you'll tell a joke about something, and it always gets a laugh. Or you know, there is a mechanic that you know uh, you, you highlight this one mechanic, and everyone's like, "Oh, tell me more," right? All of the things that you are doing to present your game that are getting the reaction that you want are in fact your marketing points. Those are the things that are gonna go into your pitch, that are gonna go into your sell sheet, that'll end up being on the back of the box because that is what is selling your game to an audience. And this is the perfect time to observe those reactions and capture them, at least in your head.
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, I, I used to do a lot of marketing for games. Uh, I absolutely understand that some of your playtesters might end up being that super fan, and most games need at least 10 super fans uh, to take off, right, and have enough of them. Does everyone know what I mean by the, when I say super fan?
0: Maybe you.
1: I'm a yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, this is uh, uh someone who will proselytize your game yeah. as if it is the best new religion right the people that might make you a little uncomfortable because they remember the mechanics about your game that you forgot you put in there right um the people who are going to start the subreddit for you right the people who are going to start the discord forums even before you started one. Right? The people who play your game and are obsessed. You're probably gonna maybe find one of them in a the playtest. Right. And those are the people you do want to capture. I have seen people though take every playtest as primarily a marketing tactic, not a game mechanics tactic, and that is a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. The best thing you can get from this is design feedback and playtesting feedback. You should be focused on this as a marketing attempt. You shouldn't be like 75% flyers of like, this is when the game comes out, right? Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, but like, so like, both keep it in mind, but also it doesn't need to be the primary part of your, don't worry too much about selling the game all the time.
0: Well, so, and to clarify, because I agree with that, your your goal is not to sell the game, however, Informationally, you will see what people respond to, and that will become your marketing when you get to that point. Um, So, being able to observe what's working and what excites people—that's really what I'm talking about. All right. Any other questions? Yes. So, how do you deal with this? Perhaps more. specifically RPGs and board games, because RPGs are a little fuzzier, rules-wise. How do you deal with somebody who... like, My game is, is very much in an alpha state, and there, I, the second time I tried it with some friends, one of my friends was like, well, I do this. And it was just something that was completely outside the box of what I was anticipating for my game, and was outside, like, it's like suddenly in a a low magic fantasy setting, suddenly there's a superhero because the rule didn't say you can't do that. And I wanted to ask, do you have any advice for handling that situation if it comes up at a table here at Metatopia?
1: For me, I am thankful for those situations because it shows that there needs to be some guidelines, guidelines, because if you write an RPG, one out of every ten players is going to try to break your RPG without you asking. And that's a low a low percentage. It's really like nine out of ten players that are going to try to break the game. Right? Um, because RPGs, the kind of players who like to play RPGs, are people who like being creative and being, you know, having agency. And one of the parts about giving players agency is unfortunately they use it um, uh, to do terrible things to your game. Um, so when those things happen, capture it, right? Capture the notes and say, and for a playtest specifically, go, ah, okay, that's really cool. I'm really glad that you did that. For the purposes of this playtest, do you mind if we, and then bring them back to where they're supposed to be? Okay. Right? First, validate their creativity, right? And be able and, and make it specific, like, ah, uh, this is because this is a testing environment. Because if you if you stomp on people's creativity, they can get salty, sad, not want to be as creative for the rest of the session, and you want that. You want them to keep breaking things. Even saying, ooh, okay, we're not gonna do that right now, but keep breaking things, right? Um, because you want that kind of feedback.
0: And of course, uh, in the RPG setting, you're the kind of you're you're the GM. Even if you're not running it, you are overseeing it and therefore are the Uber GM. And if there is a way to transform what they want to do into something that works in this setting, say, well, okay, you can't be necessarily a superhero that doesn't exist in this world. However, let's translate it into this thing that is analogous that would work in the confines of the world. And then they'd go like, oh, well that's kind of what I wanted anyway. So I, I fully understand and agree with the, the comment that you made about telling people what you want to play test before you sort of start to play test. Um, I got two mechanics in my game that, if we mention them, then people hyper focus and they, mm. they use them perfectly. Um, If we don't mention them, people tend not to use it. And so one of the issues that we found when we play tested with other game designers, the first thing they do when they sit down is say, what are we we testing? Yeah. And so I don't wanna say I'm outwardly lying, but I don't mention the two things that I'm looking to see if they get used. Because if I do mention them, that guarantees their use if i don't mention them then i feel i get a better a better sense and so i'm wondering how do i be like honest at the end about what my goal was in the playtest or do i just make the notes myself and say you know it was used or it wasn't used because i i want to have the discussion especially here with lots of game designers of why people think it wasn't used or why they didn't use that that tool but i don't want to look like it yeah, so, uh, so this is a very common situation, I think, for, for a lot of games. Um, and sometimes that happens because um, a, a mechanic will get overlooked in a game for, for a couple reasons. One, it feels stapled on. It's not core enough to the experience of the game, and therefore it probably shouldn't be there. Or it needs to be transformed in some way so that um, it's encountered in a, in a different procedural manner. It, 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 it may you know still have the same game effect, but you encounter it in a different way. Um, sometimes it's the UX that's the, the problem itself. Um, a player aid could help. A position on the board could help. You know, there, there are a lot of things that can keep people mindful of mechanics uh, or opportunities in your game um, that you can start experimenting with. So, if you know it's a problem, assume it's a problem, and try to find a different way to either connect it more to the core experience of the game, um, or tweak how you're encountering that, whatever that the the, the granular rule impact on the game is. Maybe it's not a deck of cards on the side or, you know, one that is hidden from view. From that like, I keep on forgetting about it because I don't, I don't see it. Um, find a, a different way to, it could even be like, put that little card in a stand that's still private, but now it's standing up in front of me. Like, those kind of small things can turn something from, oh, I never remember that thing to, oh, of course, it's right here. So I'm going to totally do that thing. So... push the the levers and see what gets a behavior change. Assume it's going to continue to be a problem if you're already seeing it as a consistent problem. Um, But uh, to your point, yes, uh, there are some times where you you actually want to not say, here's what I'm testing for, and see if it continues to be a problem. That's okay, and then at the end you can say, well, cool, Um, one of the things that we were looking at is, this experience. And I did notice that not a lot of people did this thing. Let's talk about that. And it's it's a broad open-ended question again, so that they fill in,
1: yeah, you know what,
0: I, for whatever reason, I just couldn't remember it. Okay, oh, uh, like, is that because it didn't feel important? It's like, oh, no, actually, like, I really wanted to use that. Oh, so, like, but you have that conversation and you'll start to understand, like, whether it's a valuable piece that got forgotten or an invaluable piece that should be Thank you. Uh,
1: to tag on to that, um, sometimes the mechanic is great and maybe even the UX is great, but the instructions are not. Oh, yes. Uh, instructional design is a different field of design, and you might be great at systems and mechanics and setting things up, and instructional design, you're crap. It's okay. One, having co developers is something I highly recommend if you don't, know, or if your co developer is also crafted instructional design um this is where finding those fans of your games is really great because you ask them to learn. you sit quietly and you have someone else who teach and facilitate your game and you're going to see if they are if they're a good instructor um you're going to see what words and language they use you're going to see how what they point at, and you'll be able to develop a better rulebook uh, uh, to be able to actually point out the things correctly, right? Um, uh, I highly recommend. This is for usually later stages in your test. This is this is not for alpha. You, right. Yeah, you want to do this in beta or later beta, is ha- having other people write your game for
0: you. Yeah, but one of the things, just as an example, uh, I encountered recently in one of our games. Um, we we just did uh, the Night Cage expansion, um, and There were a lot of if then statements in the board game rules, and the the rules book was very comprehensive and read appropriately, you know, for each content section. But what it did not do, because there were so many if then conditions in the game, which there needed to be, because the first question is, do we need them, right? But if you do need those if then statements that create potential confusion during play, I finally said, okay, I've observed confusion enough. It's going to be a problem. Therefore, we need to either change the rules or find a way to address the confusion. And we created a a player aid, which was all about the new triggers for the game. When I draw this tile, wait a second, what do I do now? Don't search in the rule book, there is now a picture of that tile on a player aid with all the conditions. If you did this, this, but it's all right there. So that, yes, I know we're gonna trip on some things, but now I have a tool that will make the game not frustrating. They can reference it as the game continues. Sometimes that's all it takes.
1: Yeah, this is, this is a very nerdy thing that I do um, uh, for design. Uh, I make flow charts of player experience, mm-hmm. right? So like when the start of a player's turn, if it's a turn-based game or, you know, what a player is doing action, what do they do? When they make a decision, what are their options on the decision tree? Do they need materials for those decisions? And if I map that out, because if my tree gets to date, right before we're at a resolution state, that's not good, right? People can only handle so much information and decision-making at a time, and you'll see they're like, ah, okay, I need to break up this whole chart. Mm-hmm. Or I need to eliminate this whole section. They're doing, t- they're making too many decisions. Or you have a decision tree where you're like, crap, I don't have enough room to put all the branches for this. That's when you say, oh, no. Right, because you, you don't want to have, if you are having trouble recording all the different possible options, your player is going to have a tr- trouble remembering all the possible options.
0: That's what I get, yeah. Also, if you have not done so already, um, create an order of operations chart. I typically put it on the back of the rule book, um, so that you don't have to search for it. You just flip the rule book over, and it's there on the table. Um, But even if your game is simple enough, you're like, "Well, it doesn't really need to be present for players." Well, one, it probably does, but so long as you have Done the work of processing that as a designer, you will already write your rules better and perfect them so that there's less confusion at the table because this happens before that, and therefore, like when there's a question, oh, I know, remember order of operations, this is how it goes. As a designer, you need to have a very definitive structure in that turn so that it will guide the process for players uh in a two-hour metatopia slot how much time do you recommend spending playing the game and how much time do you recommend spending after play talking about the game depends on the game
1: yeah for me um i when i'm kind of planning structure cool we're going to have an hour to play in a two-hour slot um, because people are going to dip around when they uh, when they get there, so that, people are People are going to be late, right? Where people, people tend to run their sessions long, and then they have to get from one place to another, right? And you want to introduce yourself. You want to take a moment to have them do the transition from wherever they were bused off before to what's going on at the table. So, like, know that your first 15, 20 minutes is dead, right? As you're introducing yourself, introducing things that are going on. Um, and, and starting to explain what you're doing, right? Um, uh, and once they get started, they're going to be slow, right? And so by the time they actually get to a rhythm of things, usually you have about a solid hour of them in the rhythm of things definitely playing before you're going to want to think about ending, right? Um, and giving yourself, because like, when you think about ending, they're going to be like, okay, well, let's just finish this one thing. Right or you know especially if you're in an RPG they're like okay we have to finish the scene (laughs) Um, and that's fair right don't start a scene when there's only 20 minutes left in your session right come to some sort of resolution even if you're like okay we're gonna leave it as a cliffhanger right Um, uh, ending things abruptly but saying it's a cliffhanger is just a great cheating uh uh, thing um but yeah uh, you have less time than you think
0: usually what i would say. um for the same reason you know when, when you're doing a board game um at some point you're, you'll look at the, the time and you'll say oh okay uh everyone you know equal turns however you want to like you know kind of move through the process but let's say you've got two rounds left but you want to make time for the conversation you say okay so we're going to wrap here you kind of get the sense of where the game is going and we have two more rounds and then we do you know scoring explain those things that they have potentially not seen because they haven't been revealed yet or you know so they have an appreciation for your end game but then you know i want to make sure we have time to have a conversation so let's have that um because your your input is valuable that's why we're here so, you know and yeah i didn't mean to cut you off okay oh, i just have a really question uh some players uh want to get feedback during play and some designers right they could fall on either side like save it to the end or you know allow the feedback to come naturally when it comes so do you have any personal opinions about like which is better you know i think it really depends it depends a little bit on the designer it also depends on what Type of input it is. If it's a long twenty-minute conversation, it's too long. Um, you know, if if they, if they have a question or they have a comment, and it you know it's a thirty-second, one-minute comment, sure, fine. It's it's not impacting the 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 fact that you're you know now going to derail. If it feels like he's going to derail, just say you know have those feedback forms. That just capture that. Just for write down and. Um, because I want to capture that input, but right now let's keep the flow of the game.
1: For RPGs specifically, I highly recommend bringing stacks of three by five inch white note cards um, unlined, and having a stack in each player's seat um, and writing utensils because they're not going to bring them. They're just not going to bring their own materials. You want to bring materials. And so if someone's like, it pause and be like, is it a rules question or is it important feedback? And they're like, it's important feedback. Be like, cool, can we write a note down for yourself about what it's about? And I'm writing a note down to come back and ask you. So that way we can keep moving forward with the scene. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Right? Um, because if they if you just say, Can you hold it to the end?
0: You'll lose it. You're not gonna remember,
1: they're not gonna remember. Yeah. Yeah. Oh uh, quick question about um, sort of like do have some you know, modular
2: or modular? and you're like do you, so what i've done this before like usually i want to put them all out and give feedback on everything but i also realized that it could overwhelm people yeah and i'm guessing the best thing to do is hey we've got these modules do you want to play with them show them at the start and say do you want these from the beginning is that usually that really the best way or do you think you just go all in with people with they know and don't know
0: the answer is you have to decide what you want to test well i want to test everything but i also want to be of what other people want to do so I don't want to push folks, right? Does it make sense to ask that question? Hey, here's some, here's some options. So at this particular show, oh, sure. um, the benefit of this show is that people are here specifically to test what it is you need to test. So I think where that sensitivity makes a lot of sense, uh, particularly when you're out with the general public. Here, I think if there's something you really want to test, just let them know. So we're going to be testing today, like the full thing. Now that might take a little bit more rules instruction. It might be a little bit more, you know, this is not intended to be your first play, but it's something I definitely need to get some surprise on. Now, the question is how valuable is that input? Because they don't have the learning for the game mechanics and it might be too much. So, it's hard to say. Something where you're, you're, you're testing that kind of situation, sometimes you actually need an informed testing group before you can really get a solid read on that. Okay. And, and that's that's good for like an ongoing play group. Okay. So Sorry. I think
1: that should be the last question okay. Yeah. are at time.
2: So, you come into your space, you've got your table with half a dozen people on it. What do you do prefer you do presenting your game? Those first few moments of hi, boom. How do you like to approach that?
0: Um, I am a big believer in leading with the mad Excite them about what they're about to do. I, I, I like to to like sell the game like they're a consumer coming in and like, you know, here is the vision. Here's why I'm excited, um, and here's how we play. You know, so I treat it like a regular demo, and I give them all the benefit of like the performance of if if you came to GenCon, I'm going to create this show because I'm we do entertainment. We don't sell games at GenCon. We entertain, and hopefully you go home with a copy. Um, that's I think how I approach it here too.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, one of my favorite times I sat down at a game. The the GM uh, for for playtesting said, "All right, who's excited about using shadows as a metaphor for grief?" Right?
0: <laughs> That's great.
1: Yeah. Um, I especially here understand that there is no one here who is not excited to play games. Right.
0: Be playful. Cool. Uh, and if you've got other questions, um, I'm around the rest of the show, so feel free to walk up and say hi and ask whatever questions you got. Yeah, same. Uh,
1: I'm, I'm technically staff of the show, Ooh, nice. um, so I'm required by law to help you
0: with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what powers. Okay.
1: Yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that we actually got to do the thing. Yeah. That's <laughs> New, <newest laughs> <conversation about Mr. laughs> um, It's fun. conversation. That Sean that's funny. It's so cliche. Yeah. But, uh, Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. What do I got? I need test
0: to run over. they needed help for 11 a.m. am staying right here. Oh,
1: and, what's the next panel? Um,
0: might um, so to, to be a good playtester?
1: Oh. Okay. All <laughs> 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 well, right. Wow. <You> <laughs> so this Chinese you oh, no, can't play yeah. So yeah. you could. And then you know I guess I I'm can, just looking in the mirror now. I, I can it? still Wait, see
0: it. Okay. <laughs> well yeah, <I> <laughs> you get it.
1: So All right. Nice. Well, good luck on oh, the next one.
0: Yeah, we are we're wrapped yeah. 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 um, We did it.
1: We did it. We did it. Oh, I it out All right.